Less alone, more alive. I'm Karen Thurston. I'm Anissa Naishira. I'm Ben Grace. And I'm Flamey Grant. Welcome to Heathen. Hi, heathens. Hi, heathens. <laughs> it's uh, Flamey Grant here. And Ben Grace. And Ben Grace. And we are so excited to be in season five. We have new hosts, new guests we're bringing in. It is just a very exciting time. Um, also, we really need this because the world is the most shit show it's ever been right now. Unbelievable. I mean, week. I can't actually say that. I wasn't around for the vast majority <laughs> of the history of the world. <laughs> but it feels pretty damn awful right now. So, um, but thank God we have these conversations to keep us going. So super, super excited about today's guests. We have Blair from Talk Purity to Me, mm-hmm. like the account that you have probably encountered on Instagram or TikTok and has just blown up. Um, Blair, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to Heathen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and be chatting. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, do you want to take a hot second and just uh, let folks know about yourself, the things we, we love to ask our guests to introduce themselves so that you get to define yourself and be who you want to be on this thing. And um, so we'd love to hear from you how, how you how you present yourself in the world. Yeah, um, my name is Blair. Again, I do run um, an anti-purity culture Instagram account, also newly branched over to TikTok. And I just uh, have created kind of a little community of folks who are working through the bullshit of purity culture. Um, It's really a community for everyone, whether you're religious or not. It's just, you know, for people who want to, you know, break down kind of the ways that purity culture has affected them. It's it's just a space to have those discussions. Mm -hmm. I love that, um, that it's regardless of religious background because it turns out it's not just like the fundamentalists who have been fucked up by purity culture purity culture (laughs) its roots are deep and wide across Mm -hmm. this country and and you you probably don't even have to encounter a church growing up to be impacted by purity culture i would i would say totally especially well i mean probably around the world but especially in the u.s there's you know a lot of purity culture ideas and stuff just kind of baked into our educational system, media, all kinds of things. So um, yeah, you definitely don't have to have been religious or currently be religious to have purity culture kind of enter into your everyday life. Um, I'm very excited and scared to talk about this with you because I feel like it's going <laughs> to it's gonna bring up some shit. <laughs> uh, we'll no, be like, weeping over here. Yeah, we'll be weeping. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have a lot of confessions uh, to, to make. Um, but before we get into all of that, let's um, let's just hear if, if you're cool sharing a little bit about where you come from. So so for the most part on Heathen, we have uh, we talk about spiritual deconstruction. We talk about people who have had to leave um, fundamentalist forms of religion, um, you know, largely evangelicalism. Um, but we we have a broad range of, of guests that we've talked to. And I actually don't know really anything about your background because as I said uh, before we started chatting, I'm really bad at social media. And I just this morning <laughs> spent most of my time kind of going through your posts and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited we're talking to this person. But um, yeah, can we hear a little, little bit about your upbringing and if there was any, um, yeah, just what that looked like for you? Yeah, I 
grew up in a really small town in the southern United States. Um, grew up kind of, kind of exactly what you would picture that looking like in terms of like church life. You know, my mom was a church pianist. My dad was a deacon. Like mm. the ho- the whole thing. I lived super close to my church, and we were there all the time. I was homeschooled for all of elementary school in kind of a, a Christian sort of homeschool group is what it was called. Uh, and so, yeah, the whole the whole nine yards with that. And then later on in my teen years, you know, when the, the kind of dating and relationships sermon sort of start, I kind of got plunged into the whole purity culture world and all mm. of the media around that all the books all the the podcasts and stuff or they weren't really podcasts back then they sort of were but you know like (laughs) the blogs and everything like i really just latched on to all those ideas and just kind of consumed my life for a really long time did you kiss daddy goodbye (laughs) totally did i actually was like the type of kind of weirdo who wanted to like not even kiss before I got married. That was me. Like I was, I was deep into that shit. Like I really was like going all out. Girl, you <laughs> both. Um, <laughs> and for me, it was actually super hella convenient because I'm queer and I dated a couple girls uh, because that was what I was supposed to do. Um, growing up and it was so convenient to have purity culture there to stand in the gap for me and prevent me from having to kiss my girlfriends yes. and to make it look like I was being somehow being noble and and you know like I, I don't know like a better person than everybody else who was letting their letting their uh purity slip I guess so <laughs> yeah ugh. it really is an all-consuming thing especially just in in those worlds i i grew up in the south too uh in north carolina and and just like we wow it, it the true love waits the the promise like the rings all of it oh yeah no i i totally i had a purity ring i read all of the like books and all the um blogs and everything like that all the i mean everything i could get my hands on like the eric and leslie Ludi type thing i don't know if you're all familiar with them but no, no, I don't know that one. Yeah, they're a Christian couple who they wrote. Um, what was the name of their book? Now I'm spacing on it, but oh, it's when God writes your love story. That was the one they. Oh, that, I have heard of that. Yes. Yeah, so that was them, and then they wrote like several spinoff books to that, but they were like very, very deep into the whole purity culture thing, and and like they spun it as sort of like. If you wait for God's timing, you'll have like this fairy tale sort of romance. And they really like played that up, like mm. to, to the point that even like some of their Christians were like, hey, that's not exactly like biblical or whatever. <laughs> like, that's the Bible doesn't really talk about that. But yeah, that's I really bought into all that stuff though. Because there's just so many fairy tale relationships in the Bible. right (laughs) it's just disney prince and princess story after story i mean yeah all the way seriously um when did you start to encounter like the 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 idea that oh maybe it's not going to be a fairy tale um if i follow all these rules yeah well (laughs) i started you know 
it, it, it was kind of easy for me to not, um, not really have to deal with a lot of like relationship dynamics and stuff in high school. Cause I was, I was like, you know, a honor roll student. I was really busy with school. I never really was like that into like boys at the time. And I thought I was like being so like holy and everything. Mm-hmm. But then when I got out into college and I was like, oh, you know, maybe like, you know, I like this guy, whatever, like just trying to like feel that out. I started realizing like that maybe there was something not quite right going on. Like one of my first experiences was like with a guy was I, I held hands with a guy, you know, completely innocent, nothing beyond that. But um, after that, I literally cried so hard because yeah. I thought I had cheated on my future husband. <laughs> yeah. And like, I laugh about it now and I tell that story now and think it's funny, but it was not funny back then. Like, no. I was so, I mean, I think that was the first sign that I was like, I am unwell. Like there is oh, something man. not right going on in my brain that I associate this like completely innocent thing with like, literal adultery like that's how i i was like so so beyond upset and i know probably people who will listen to this like if you didn't grow up in the environment you don't understand like how that can work in your brain but it does i mean that's that's kind of how i was indoctrinated to think about it yeah i mean that stage you're talking two decades of these messages that are playing over and over on loop like that's that's a lot of time to undo and kind of walk all that stuff back. It just doesn't disappear overnight. Totally. And it, it honestly was like, I mean, I, I obviously never could have predicted that I would react that way. It was just something that was so in me, just innate. I don't know. It was just like such a, such a weird like switch that was flipped into this like shame around just literally holding a guy's hand. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I can laugh as well about some of, you know, similar feelings I have, but I mean, I'm not laughing right now. That's, mm. that, that is really, that's really hard, intense shame shit to have to dig yourself out of over, you know, the course of how, however many years that takes, you know, it, it, I feel like I'm still digging out, uh, you know, I'm approaching 40 ugh, mm-hmm. very soon. <laughs> and, and, um, <laughs> and I'm, yeah, there's still sh- sludge, you know, to, to sort through. Um, I can't wait to, have my sister listen to this conversation because she has so many stories about she she was the only only uh, female uh identifying sibling in our in our family and um and she bore the brunt i think of the purity culture in how it manifested in our family she has so many stories just like that where you know the feelings of adultery and um and just the 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 loss of something the, the feeling that you've done something that is gone forever and cannot be given back or that you have betrayed someone namely god <laughs> um and uh it's just hard hard stuff for people to come out of yeah it really is i mean whenever i sh- share stories like that like that one story and then i i've shared a few others um on like tiktok and my instagram um like one i the first time i made out with a guy i literally was so afraid that i could be pregnant i bought bought and took plan B. Um, Whoa. <laughs> I saw that though, TikTok. Yeah. Like, of course, in my brain, I knew I was, there was like literally no possible way that I could be pregnant. Right. 
but uh that does that doesn't matter because you know when you're like this when you grow up in this kind of shame you your body it was literally just like my body's trying to protect me from like this fear that I have of sin and but every time I share a story like that I get so many responses back that are like I don't want to comment on this post but I have a story like just like yours or I I went through almost the exact same thing I thought I was the only one who's ever you know done something that Mm. would sound silly to anyone else you know it sounds silly to anyone who didn't grow up this way but i mean so many people have similar stories yeah it's wild so so what happens after you hold hands with the guy did you have to break up with him and explain to him you know what was going on how did you kind of navigate that i think he was just really freaked out and like i i mean we never we never really hung out again after that it was just like it was over that was i mean and it was so yeah it was it was sad because i was like you know just trying to figure this out and then i just had this like freak out moment and then yeah it was i i never saw him again (laughs) yeah i think one of the things for me that i think purity culture really needs to own up to is just how many relationships is actually ruined Mm. like when you just when you first get into that like young bud kind of thing and you're just excited and all the things are there just that's a precious experience that you should be allowed to have just freely in the world to have that first little like moment of exploration feel all those tingles and all the good stuff in your body but you've been so programmed that all those tingles are bad things and mm. all these things which are natural in our body that that the way we get turned on the way you know our our pupils dilate all of the things that are kind of built into our, our bodies we actually interpret all that as sin and that's just so disappointing to me yeah i totally agree and i i mean even to the point where i i really think that purity culture and religious culture ruined a lot of potentially really good friendships i could have had with guys um because i like i have a twin brother i don't have any other siblings i like always have you know like been around guys and i feel like i just i enjoy like hanging out with guys and stuff but especially in college I just felt that if, you know, a guy wasn't someone that I could see myself in like a relationship with that I shouldn't even be spending any kind of time with them. And Mm. I really, it really makes me sad now and kind of angry because I I think there's like people that I could probably even still be friends with that I kind of just felt like I couldn't pursue any kind of relationship with them at all. And yeah, I mean, I think that purity culture really robs people of like a lot of ways to grow relation relationally, like in those types of scenarios. Yeah. It's the Harry went, when Harry met Sally problem, you know, girls and guys can't be friends because sex always gets in their way. And it's just like such a ridiculous preposterous notion because we, we have so much, uh, as people, we have so many skills to learn about how to relate to each other and how to, to just make connection and then to say that all those things are cynically down to one thing, it's cynically just down to desire, uh, is just an absolutely ludicrous thing to me. I just can't get my head around that. Yeah, and I think purity culture actually caused that. Like, I think yeah, that yeah. if I hadn't grown up in purity culture, I could have had friendships with all kinds of people mm-hmm. without immediately going to, like, what if they like me and I can't reciprocate this? Or what if I like them and they are, you know, like I, it just, 
in in trying to say that sex isn't the most important part of a relationship, purity culture actually kind of makes it the only part of a relationship that yep. you can even think about. This is so true. I, I, I'm just thinking from from my my place on the on the spectrum. Like, I mean, growing up for me, girls were the ones I wanted to be friends with. They were the uh, I, I boys wanted nothing to do with me. I was very easy to identify as you know the the fag in the group and um so girls were my only friends for a large chunk of my childhood and yet when yeah when we reached those like the puberty and the adolescent years like it became weird even from from that point on the spectrum because i was supposed to be you know feeling feelings for them and Mm -hmm. and vice versa And, and then all the time we would spend together got lumped in in the eyes of, I remember <laughs> I remember one time I had, I had a my, my best friend Kristen uh for years growing up like from kindergarten through we went to the same college together um she and I wrote songs together she was a pianist and I was a lyricist and we um we just spent so much time together we went to each other's houses after school and after church every Sunday and um I remember the first time we ever performed one of the songs that we wrote together at our church um my papa, who was the kind of the head, self-appointed head of, of our church. We had a, it, we're a really weird tradition called Plymouth Brethren where there's no pastor or anything. But um, my papa was kind of this pillar in our, in our tradition. And he got up after we sang that song. And he was like, I just remember him saying something about how thankful he was to finally understand what our little relationship was about. He's like, oh. oh, so this is why God brought you together was to write these songs. You know, we've been worried worried about you too and like all the time you're spending together basically. And um and so yeah, it's just like the 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 roles that you, we all have to play um no matter where you are on on any kind of spectrum. Like it it just purity culture can can fuck up all the relationships. It's really true and like you know in my community, like the church community I was a part of as a teenager, I think the older women in the church recognized that I was a more assertive, kind of strong personality. And they would always tell me that I would have to find like a really strong, godly man if I, you know, wanted to get married because like I needed to submit to someone and I would have to find someone who had like a stronger personality than me. I was like, uh, and it's just even then it felt weird to me like I think even then I was like eh, eh, I don't know about this like but I just kind of I mean I didn't really have a concept of what a relationship was like so I just kind of listened to them and was like okay sure whatever <laughs> did you decide this was something you wanted to start addressing publicly and, and, you know, create your, your social media accounts and just start, start talking about, did you have, first of all, before you got to that, did you have like a community of people around you that you were processing this with or did you have to do all this internally? So for the majority of the time that I've been, you know, working through this kind of leaving my faith, all of that, um, I don't even ever remember people talking about deconstruction that wasn't a word that I had 
ever heard. Um, hmm. There was no like, there was no community like that, that I was aware of at least. Um, and so, you know, I knew friends who I, I knew they had grown up kind of similar to me and they obviously weren't anymore, just like I wasn't really, you know, religious anymore, but we didn't have a word like that described that we were on the same page. We just kind of knew that we were, if that makes sense. Like we kind of, we just kind of knew that, yeah, like we're not religious anymore and like, we don't believe this anymore. Um, And so, so yeah, like I, I kind of always say like I was deconstructing way before I knew like what that word was or what that even meant. I mean, I Mm -hmm. was, when I look back now, I'm like, yeah, okay. I, I started this process many years ago. Um, and, and then I learned like, oh, there's like a whole, a whole process for this, like a whole word and a whole community of people who are doing the same thing. Um, but in terms of my account, like the, you know, the purity culture, um, account, I, around, um, October of 2019, um, I, put out a little question box and the stories on my personal Instagram account. um, And just was asking, you know, how has purity culture affected you in your adult life? Just asking to my followers um, on that account. And the response that I got was just so overwhelming. Um, I just got, you know, people pouring out their stories to me of like, I mean, really, really personal stuff, like talking about assault that they were afraid to report because, you know, Mm. they were afraid to be um, shamed or like asked, you know, how they contributed to their own assault or maybe they did. And like they, you know, they were asked what they were wearing, just things like that. Um, And just people saying like how, you know, I've been married 10 years and this still, you know, both my husband and I were virgins when we got married and this still is a struggle for us. Um, our sex life is still a struggle. So I just got all these stories and I was just really, um, just trying to figure out how to start talking about this, how to start having a conversation about purity culture, because it just became so apparent that I may have been the first person to ever ask, you know, my followers to tell me about how purity culture had affected them just because, you know, the outpouring was just so, so intense. And I was like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do something. We gotta like figure out something we can do here to get the ball rolling on this and like work through this. Cause it's obviously still a, a huge issue for so many people. Mm. And then my page was born, and here we are. <laughs> I adore the people who encounter the problem and say, oh, something must be done. I am going to be a person to do something. So <laughs> huge props to you, Blair, for yeah. being the person who says something. We got to do something. Um, and then following through on that. That's huge. Thank that you so, so much. It can be so scary too, I think, kind of when you're walking into something which feels so institutional. I mean, like as we said at the 
front of this podcast. This has affected public education in the United States of America. It, it affects like the vice president of this country says he won't take a meeting with another woman without his wife present because, you know, for fear of kind of what is going to happen. Like it's so, it's just part of the fabric of our life. And to sort of stand up and say, uh-uh, no, we're going to go, we're actually going to talk about this when expose it is just so courageous. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, uh, you know, if if you were around at the beginning of my account, you might remember that I originally was anonymous on my account because I was afraid. Um, I was afraid of backlash. Um, I was afraid of, you know, what people would say. Um, and I didn't share it with anyone in my family for a really long time. So yeah, um, it was scary, but then I, I kind of, as I got more comfortable, I was like, okay, you know, this is mm. telling my story is, is helpful too, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a sex educator. I'm not a sex therapist. I'm just a person who also went through purity culture, just like all of my followers. <laughs> so I think it's been cool to feel like comfortable to, you know, obviously now my, my name and my face is all over my page and, um, it's been cool to see how people connect to my story and, and, you know, vice versa. I, I hear a lot of really beautiful, like vulnerable moments from my followers as well. It turns out that having your face on there and uh, being brave with your story is, is connecting with people, which, I mean, that's what we have discovered, you know, here as well. It's like, so many folks just don't have the outlets um, and there are more and more every day, thankfully. And, and I think there are plenty of places to, to find these kinds of conversations now. But even when we started four or five years ago, it was like, there were just, you know, it, it, the, the number of people that come out of the woodwork and say, Oh my gosh, you too, me too. Like mm-hmm. um, it matters. It really does. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot more accounts now, like you said, um, and still so many people are kind of afraid and are anonymous. And I obviously totally understand why, you know, why they feel that fear to put their face out there. But I do hope that, you know, as more people share their story, that there will just be more accounts like ours, like podcasts and all kinds of stuff that, you know, this continues to expand. Mm. I, um, as a drag queen, I live for a good takedown. (laughs) And um, that's what I was just especially pleased and delighted to discover as I was scrolling through your stuff this morning. I was like, oh my gosh, like finger snaps all over for the shade shade of it all. Um, You're so good at just like being that person who does stand up and say, yeah except your opinion's shit and I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't even have to respond to it kind of thing. Um, I don't, I don't know if you're like a person who's into like um, personality typing or the Enneagram or anything, but I feel, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit of a kindred spirit with you. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're an Enneagram eight or not, but I am. And um, I, I love a person who, who just, uh, yeah, stands in the gap and says, you know what, I, I can take all of your, your, all the stupid uh, trolls, all the heat of the trolls here. Like I'll, I'll gladly uh, take that on and uh, <laughs> also, also shut it down. <laughs> yes. No, I'm not an eight, but I am a one. So we're in the same triad. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Come on, there gut triad. 
<laughs> exactly. So yeah, I, I mean, from the very beginning, I mean, I think it's obvious by the name of my account, it's, you know, just a pun, mm-hmm. um, talk dirty to me, talk purity to me, like just, I, humor is a huge part of what I like to bring to my account. And mm-hmm. even from the very beginning, I was like, if no one thinks the name of my account is funny, I do. And that's why <laughs> that's why I'm calling it this. I don't care if anyone else doesn't like it. Like, this is what it is. And this is what I bring to the table. So, you know, take it or leave it. It's an act of self-pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you're talking to, to someone who named their drag character Flamey Grant, so I'm here for a good pun, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Which I adore. That's so awesome. Oh my word. Um, so I don't. I know you. Uh, you you said you you're not a sex therapist, but at the same time, like the work is there. Like you are doing actual work that is like dismantling stuff in people's lives. So what are you finding? Um, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about just like, what is sex like now? <laughs> I guess that's <laughs> either for you or for just like for people that you're, you're interacting with and, and, um, are people reporting like good moments and, and like <laughs> big O's? I don't know. Like what is, <laughs> <laughs> what does a win look like? For talk purity yeah. <laughs> what is a win? What is a win? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think like I've had people you know, message me and say, like, I was finally able to, you know, have sex with my partner. And I just like, it's because, you know, I'm working through this and this community that you've made is a big part of, you know, that healing and growth. And to me, that's like everything that's, you know, I, I too have been healing alongside my followers. And, and so, yeah, just, I think we all, you know, just experiencing the freedom to even talk openly about sex and talk about it as like an everyday occurrence, which it is, you know, for most people, most people at some point will have some kind of sexual relationship, um, you know, and just to talk about it as, you know, the, the kind of human, weird, funny, like fun thing that it is like sex is, um, it's an important part of life, but it's also like, we can talk about the fact that sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's weird. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good. Like sometimes, you know, it's just, it's an everyday part of life and just being able to talk about it, you know, makes people feel more comfortable with that part of themselves that is a sexual being. Mm. I really appreciate that because I think humor is such an underrated tool in the world. And I was just thinking this morning uh, before we came on here how I just don't know any like super conservative comedians. And, and, I, and I feel like on, 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 the <laughs> si- on, on the other side of the four years, the last four years, the, the amount of pleasure I think we've got, you know, from comedians and how we've actually been able to, I think, take a step back from some of the horrific situations and just laugh sometimes. Because if we didn't laugh, then we'd all kind of, you know, probably explode so I, mm-hmm. I love the fact that you use humor all the time your eye rolls I live for those every single time <laughs> I have always been a person I cannot hide how I feel on my face I really can't I just can't I don't it's it's not great always like <laughs> yeah. but it's good for uh you know getting those feelings out I know sometimes I'm like I have other friends who are comedians who 
have grown up the same way as I do. I'm like, do we all just need to do like a stand up show? Like, should we all just like collaborate on some kind of like amazing like ex Christian, ex religious stand up? Like, I I would live for that. Uh, yes, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> and if you need an MC, can I please volunteer my services? Oh my god, yes. We have to have Flaming Grant there for sure. Oh my god. <laughs> I am already okay. Like this now, I feel like has to become a thing that needs to get birthed in the world because that just sounds too beautiful. I a would sick, love that. A sick summit. A sick summit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Hey, Anissa. Hey, Karen. What's up? Where have you been hanging out lately? In my house? Yeah, right. How would you like to be able to hang out with rad people and not even have to leave your house? What? Yeah. So Heathen has an exclusive private Facebook group called the Heathen Huddle, and you can join it today. Today? Yeah, today. We'll throw in like a set of steak knives. So how do I join it? Well, that's a great question because it is private. You can't search and find it. But what you can do is shoot us an email at askheathen at gmail.com and we will invite you to the email. I'll just get an invitation. Yep. We'll, we'll send you a Facebook invitation. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm on it. Okay. Do it right now. Right now. Don't wait. Okay. Okay. Bye. I had, a, I had an observation, I guess, that I kind of want to share with you and kind of see mm-hmm. if, it, if it floats your boat the way it did for me the other day. I was listening to the Pleasure Mechanics uh, podcast, which I absolutely love and adore. Um, and they basically went back to the foundations in the last a couple months ago because uh, they've been running, I think, for about 15 years or something amazing. Wow. And they talked about how it all started with the two of them because they're together. They're a couple, a lesbian couple. And it started because they were both... Um, erotic masseurs and so when they first found each other it was it was just the joy of touch that really kind of sort of sparked their connection and sparked their relationship and so they said all of the work we do comes back to touch um, which I think was just so beautiful because I think that kind of is an, an important thing because you know like the awkward Christian side hug and all the things mm-hmm. that we're going to have that we're so that we can't even do this very basic thing which is to just to connect physically mm. with somebody uh, but as I was listening to that podcast and, and, I was, and I was running, and that's kind of usually kind of where I do my best thinking and listening, it occurred to me that the church has just set itself up as a complete monopoly on certain things, like as a divine experiences, right? So you come to church because you're hoping that all the music and the fog machines and the preaching whatever has a transcendental moment. Yeah. But then they're, they're setting themselves up opposite things like sex, which has exact same power and opposite things like music, which has the same power. And so they, they have to control these things. We have to kind of come up with this ideology. We have to kind of create purity culture in order to suppress these other beautiful everyday experiences where we actually get to touch the divine. Uh, and that just, when I caught the, the thought occurred to me, I was like, man, like how much time have we wasted trying to control things that are just beautiful and human and normal and we actually had to kind of write a whole new story around them. Totally. I mean, I've had the same sort of thoughts. Like, you know, when I left my religion, I thought that I would never feel anything transcendent ever again, like a worship service. I thought I wouldn't, like, I I didn't know how I could feel that feeling apart from my religious experiences. And then I started going out, like, dancing with my friends or going to shows or like you know just 
just I don't know just like all these other things that you feel that you feel that or just like singing in your car alone like belting out your favorite song like there's so many more opportunities for me to have that feeling and like for you too if you're listening like you know the church like you said I mean it's not the only place that we can feel those feelings and the feeling of transcendence was around before religion and it will be around you know after you leave your religion it's it's something that's part of you as a human I just want to take that like audio clip right there and just like broadcast that everywhere. Uh, It's part of you. The feeling of transcendence is not something that's restricted to a a time or a place or an organization that can, can make that happen for you. It's in you. Not outside Mm -hmm. of you. It's just right there. It's Mm -hmm. within your breath, you know, I'm doing a lot more meditation and breath work. I've often had moments with just in a simple moment of pause and silence or, you know, for me this morning in a sunbeam doing some, not even deep yoga. It was just literally moving my, you know, my joints around. I just have that feeling of like, wow, of just beauty of complete kind of in the moment presence. Totally. I mean, I think there's so many spaces for that and it's, you know, just, just finding that and like allowing yourself to feel it too. Cause I don't know about y'all, but I think when I was in my religion, I would always be afraid of feeling those feelings outside of a religious experience. I was like, Oh, if I feel that outside of a worship service, that's not God, that's the devil. And I, you know, I need to resist that. Yeah, absolutely. It's so powerful. And that fear I think is what it maintains control. It kind of is what, uh, it shuts down curiosity, just basic curiosity we have as humans, which I think has a lot to do with sex. You know, I mean, like you said before, sex is an <laughs> incredibly weird thing sometimes, but our curiosity, our natural kind of inclination of, well, what, is, what does this do? And what if we do it this way? Like all that kind of stuff is just playful in the end, but fear, you know, keeps us away from curiosity, keeps us away from stepping forward into vulnerability, um, and vulnerability is the thing I think that pulls apart shame all the time. And Brene Brown talks about that. And you talked about that earlier. The minute you started to not hide behind uh, and, and show your face on your own um, Instagram channel, all this stuff just started falling away. You know, all these scales just started kind of being crashing mm. to the ground. And I think that's super, super important that people, when they're locked in these fear responses, the only way forward is to just do it afraid a little bit and to just keep moving forward and keep being vulnerable. Totally. And like, I think when I first started my page, I felt like I had to keep it very much um, just talking about concepts of, Mm. you know, breaking down purity culture. But, you know, now I, I write a lot of things about, you know, this is how I personally experienced purity culture. This is how it affected me. And this is, you know, how that even happened inside my brain, like how I you know, came to these beliefs that made me feel such intense, like, shame or fear. And, you know, I, I don't feel like I have to do it in a, you know, quote, like, clinical way. Like, I can just be a person who's talking about this common experience.
I'm just like, I'm, I, I've gone down 12 tracks as y'all have been talking. And <laughs> I think what both of you have said is just so phenomenal. Vulnerability, dismantling the shame and everything. Um, so as I've had experiences now that I never permitted myself to have at, at younger ages, I find one of the things that comes up for me again and again that I have to combat in some cases and in other cases just like hold gently is is the notion of well really my anger around what was what i've been robbed of mm. um and mm -hmm. the time the time that i um have been, that, that's been stolen from me um and i mean there there just is the basic truth to the fact that like our our bodies are different when we're younger <laughs> than they are now and um you know, sexual peak for every individual's different comes at different times. But for me, I, I feel like I'm definitely past it. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, 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 I do, I have to like handle that, um, anger, not even just around sex, but around a lot of things. Uh, Ben, when you were talking about, uh, doing your yoga and your movement here, like that's been a thing for me too, that I, I've had like moments where I've, I've felt like cast back into my younger self and I've like been face to face with, with younger Matthew and um, just the, the things, the messages I've had to like deliver both ways to, to myself. And I, it just sometimes makes me livid. And I, and I, I, I don't always know how to handle that anger um, at what's been lost and what's been the time that, that I, you know, I could have been a drag queen at 21 and done mm -hmm. like splits and shit, you know, like <laughs> now I can barely like move. <laughs> and and uh, uh, it's just that kind of stuff. You know, I could have had amazing sex when I was 20 and, and, uh, or 25 or I didn't lose my virginity until I was 31. Mm -hmm. So let's, and I don't, sorry, I didn't mean to say lose my virginity. That's not how we talk about it. Uh, mm -hmm. I did not have sex until I was 31, but um, you know, that's a good, a good decade of my life when I could have had some really good sex mm -hmm. and, I didn't. So I don't know. Like, have, have you encountered folks who uh, ha have those kinds of feelings of regret and uh, anger? And, and how do we handle that? I don't know. I don't always know. <laughs> well, totally. I mean, I, I think that's a huge part of um, the experience of leaving, you know, a, a fundamentalist or high demand or cult religion, like however you describe your experience. Um, I, I mean, I've personally felt a lot of anger around some of the same things, just not um, not allowing myself to really fully experience like college and like all of the, mm. you know, fun. So even the like the typical things that you would do in college, like just going out or like whatever, um, I I definitely didn't allow myself to really like fully indulge in all of that. And, you know, I know that's similar to a lot of people um, who follow me and, you know, having these conversations, you know, they say, well, I got married at 22 because me and my, you know, boyfriend, me and my girlfriend, whoever, we felt like that's what we had to do. Like we wanted to have sex. So we got married and, you know, um, and now it's 10 years later and we're we're not doing well, or we're, you know, we feel like we've lost a lot of time. Maybe we are, maybe we're okay. Maybe we've gotten through it, but we do feel anger and regret at, you know, the years that we spent 
living our lives the way other people were telling us we had to. Yeah. Yeah, the hangovers after 35 compared to the 20. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like youth is supposed to be the time we are supposed to do those things. Our bodies are flexible, our minds are flexible. And I think that the lie of purity culture and the lie of controlling high demand religion is that you will totally fuck up every chance to recover from that. And Mm. it's just not true. You know, life life goes on like it, you know. Um, and I think the whole point is you live and you learn, you know, and there will, you know, I think even regardless of, I think about this, if I'd had it, my, my brothers and my life was different and I grew up in a more progressive space that I would have loved to have lived some of those experiences, you know, around sex and, and, and just dancing and all that kind of stuff differently. But then, you know, there's that part of me that says, oh, but then would you have like regretted doing some of those things? And I think that's kind of the point of life to a certain degree is that you just make your mistakes or you have your experiences and then you just have to make sense of it afterwards and live with the consequences of them. But I think living with the consequences of them, you know, for me as I passed 40 was sort of devastating. Mm. It, it It definitely felt like so much lost time and so many kind of, not even lost time, I kind of found myself in my late 30s like woke up in the middle of my story and was like this is miserable mm. mm-hmm. uh, and I just I'm so glad that people like you are speaking out and kind of uh, having a chance for younger people to find that stuff earlier so they can be like whoa maybe I should just try that maybe I should just touch the stove maybe if I touch it it won't burn me <laughs> <laughs> totally like I one of my first posts that like got a lot of um, attention. Well, not the first, but one that people really latched onto was one where I said, um, my life didn't really start until I stopped living for my quote, future husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, that's, that's me. Those are my words, uh, about my own experience. And so many people really resonated with that too. It's like for so many years I was living, thinking of an imaginary person. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and making decisions for an imaginary person. And um, that's a really hard thing to uh, come to terms with as well. (laughs) That, you know, I was making decisions based on someone who I didn't even know existed. (laughs) I feel like there's a little bit of a metaphor for faith in there (laughs) as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Who are we living for? Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm confident that there would be, you know, if there were other people in this conversation, uh, someone uh, who, you know, did indulge in the promiscuities of, of youth, like I'm sure they would have, you know, a, an alternate perspective on it. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe the regret they feel would be very different. And so I just acknowledge that it's a wide range. Um, it's just, that's that, yeah, that's my personal little, thing I think I kind of cope with regularly is just like just like holding that anger and being like okay yep mm -hmm, you're allowed you're allowed to feel that Mm -hmm. and um and also uh what you were saying Ben like let's let's not uh romanticize or or idealize like um the way things could have been because I'm not unhappy by you know in any Mm -hmm. any any stretch like I'm so so pleased that I have been able to um, come to the places in my life where um, I, I'm at today and, and that I am in, enjoying parts of life that, you know, 
maybe I feel like I, I could have enjoyed it differently when I was 20, but it doesn't take, it hasn't taken away from the, the beauty and the joy of today. Um, and, and, um, just that experience having it now in some ways, I feel like it's probably greatly enhanced by being a, a, a person who has a few more years under their belt and can, um, I don't know. They're, they're, you know, we, we can't appreciate things differently the, the longer we live, I think. So. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I really like to just kind of emphasize is that it's never too late to have the sex life that you want to have, whatever that means, whatever that looks like for you. It's never too late. Um, even, you know, it doesn't matter what you have or haven't done. Like now is, you know, a moment where you can choose to to make those decisions of what's right for you and, and build that, you know, sex life that is meaningful for you. Mm. I think one of the things that, that I think about a lot is I don't know if it's necessarily like about the sex, right? You know, the physical thing. I, I think mm-hmm. the thing that, that I woke up in the middle of was this fear just about intimacy in general. And I think uh, the way I've, you know, listening to your account, lots of other people account that I follow, it is about that knowing of yourself, you know, and something about sex and something about connection, whether that's, you know, I mean, I'm talking broadly about sex, about just connecting to other people in the world, like the relationships that you were talking about that might be, you know, non-sexual relationships, just friendships, not having that deep richness of relationship with those people and not having that deep richness of relationship with yourself is the thing that ultimately I think a lot of us are searching for. It also happens that I think that curiosity and that, that fun, that playfulness helps us to, to find the thing we might like. The same way is if, if we never actually, you know, if we decided when we were two or three years old that we hated greens because they feel bitter to our taste buds at that point in development, if we never eat a green again, we miss out on some experience. That the same way that sex is just something to, to be explored and to be enjoyed and to just wander into and find kind of what you like, what actually turns you on, what brings you joy, what brings you transcendence. Uh, so for me, that's one of those things. It's just more about intimacy than the actual act of, of sex itself. Totally. I mean, I think one thing that was weird for me going into relationships was I was really bad at expressing my emotions because for so many years I was told that the majority of my emotions um, were probably not um, okay or good because if they weren't from God, they couldn't be good. So I, I was very unsure of how to express my emotions or my desires or anything. And um, it's not very easy to learn that in your uh, mid twenties <laughs> to, to be trying to do that for the first time. Mm, yep. So speaking of what God wants, I, the, <laughs> uh, the person we live for. Um, so I, I, this actually comes back to the, the question I had slipped in my mind earlier, but I just, I wanted to talk about like a sexual ethic for a minute, just because I feel like so much of what the lie was in purity culture boiled down to um, the the whole concept of the slippery slope and the fact that if you do this one thing, you will, it, it will inevitably lead to you like pregnant in a gutter, like <laughs> no health insurance. Like, I don't even know, like, like the worst imaginable scenario. Um, uh, 
and just the idea that if if you don't follow this specific sexual ethic, then you have no ethic. Mm-hmm. And obviously that is a deep uh, misleading untruth um, about people. And we, and, and we can, you know, there, there are more and more places now where we can like have that conversation about having a sexual ethic that's <laughs> detached from any kind of religious um, guide. But I don't know. Can we, can we, can we get into that, dig into that for a minute about, um, how, how the, the, having a sexual ethic doesn't, yeah, it just doesn't mean that you, you have to be connected to God and it can be so much better <laughs> to have one that maybe isn't. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the thing that, you know, religious people kind of come back to when they find out someone doesn't, you know, adhere to purity culture or religious standards around sex, they just say like, oh, you probably just want to sin or you must be doing something wrong or, you know, they, they try to immediately come out with like, oh, or you're not strong enough to hold up to God's standards, like all these things. And it's like, there's, you know, no like one right way to be a sexual being. Like there's, a whole, you know, range of ways that people express their sexuality that are, you know, healthy and work for them. And I think that's what is like, kind of weird to navigate now, because it's like, I, you know, where I'm at now, I'm like, I completely affirm people who say, abstinence is what I choose. You know, I'm a, I'm an adult who's made an informed choice of abstinence and like, this is what I want. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's beautiful. Like, I'm so happy for you that you know yourself and that's what you've chosen. And then, you know, people, you know, I, I think there's a whole basically range of ways to be a, a healthy, like sexually fulfilled person. But obviously in church, there's one right way and it's to be you know, straight, cis, married, like, you know, couple, like, it's, it's very limiting, obviously. And we know that it just, people have a whole range of sexual desires beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the the church puts the, um, the stop sign on the impulse itself, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. which Ben, as you said earlier, like is a, purely and and 100% natural reaction that's happening in our bodies, like a thing that is not meant to be controlled and, and really can't be controlled. I mean, you can respond to it however you wish, but like that impulse, a sexual impulse is, is there. And to, to label that as the, like the, the stopping point, because that is the sin, the impulse is the sin. Um, Yeah. Blocks it. You you just, you shut down. Like there's no other, conversation to even be had so a sexual ethic actually is not very robust at all in uh, in your in in a fundamentalist upbringing because you haven't discussed anything (laughs) i realized as you were talking that i I wrote a song many many moons ago which was i've made a covenant with my eyes not to look with desire on a woman like literally i wrote a melody to that like piece of scripture and it just flashed before me as you were saying that i'm like what 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 a thing to promise. You, I can't promise that. Oh. Like I, it just will pass to magazine stand and, and beauty is built into us. Mm. There are things that we find like desirable. There are things that, that we kind of look at and, and my body has a physical reaction to, and to, to try to promise to 
control that is just a really weird thing. And I think that's where you get really fundamentalist religions that want to cut away pieces of ourselves and to maim you know, pieces of ourselves in order to stop that desire, which is just brutal, like mm. absolutely brutal. Um, the one thing I want to ask you about Blair is because, you know, we're t- sitting here with, you know, two people who without pronouns he, him. Um, but I want to talk about purity culture and patriarchy and the, the amount of stories I've heard uh, from women identifying folks who say that the burden of purity culture is so squarely on the female identifying people that it's your job to keep us out of, you know, out of trouble and your job to keep us from desire. And I'm just kind of wondering if you've had thoughts about that. Totally. I mean, I, you know, growing up, um, just felt a lot of pressure to hide my body, especially after puberty. You know, I was like unsure of how to, to literally hide myself, disguise my body in a way that would, you know, I was told would keep men from thinking of me sexually. I mean, we know that 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 never works. It doesn't matter what a woman is wearing or what a person is wearing. Like you can't control the way someone thinks about you, but I definitely tried. And um, I just really felt like, you know, it was on me to, to keep all of the men around me from thinking of me sexually, which to put that on a child, cause mm. I, I was a child, uh, you know, as we all were growing up in this environment. Um, I, I think it constitutes abuse. I mean, to, to tell a child that the way that, you know, other people are going to react to you is your responsibility is really harmful. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure there's still parts of my brain that hold on to that, that I'm still, you know, not even aware of. Cause I think that's one big thing I've realized is like purity culture is deep in my brain and um, it's probably going to take a lifetime to uncover all those ways that it's still in there. Yeah. It's deeply in, in my bones for sure. I mean, I was talking Lily last night with Karen, lying in bed talking about my desire to please other people that I'm constantly scanning the room, you know, and I'm sitting opposite Flamey who, who is, is a big Enneagram eight of a person. And I would admit right now that there's times when I will interpret someone's body language as them being unhappy with me when it just might be the, the mood that they're in, that the, the moment they're having in their day and I will go down the rabbit, I'll be deep in my own like shit and my own shame about what did I do? Um, and I'm still figuring that out. I think so much of that is, is purity culture. So much of that, that is, is you thinking that your job is to please this external thing, whether it be God <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, or your father or, or your church or whatever it is, that there's this constant kind of, uh, external force that is on you to please and to appease and to not, uh, not turn on it's it's just too much it's way too deep a burden to bear yeah and I just think about I mean I have memories of like I was at my best friend's house and we were at the pool like she had a pool at her house and you know we were sitting out there like a bunch of girls in our you know pretty modest one-piece swimsuits and like (laughs) I remember her mom 
came outside and asked me and like one other girl to go inside um, and told us like we needed to put towels on like around like kind of like waist down you know because it was like immodest or whatever and I just like I remember that and I I remember how ashamed I felt I was like oh my god I'm so sorry like Mm-hmm. I like I apologize for what <laughs> for wearing a swimsuit like for being at the at a pool I don't know just I think about those things some, I mean I, I I think about that a lot actually that particular moment yeah at church camp we were not allowed to uh, bathe without t-shirts over the top of our swimsuits wow so it was, it was you were never allowed to see the the shape of, of someone's body would that be male or female uh, it was kind of crazy. And that was, I carried that into my 20s. Like my, my shame around my body kind of held on for a long time after some mm-hmm. of that stuff started falling away. That idea that just, you know, that my naked chest could somehow cause someone to stumble <laughs> is, is, and I think that's pretty hilarious because I don't think my naked chest was anything really to look upon. But, <laughs> but, but I think it, it's a really interesting thing. And I see this now in the world, uh, even now that I kind of that I live in, in in this sort of progressive kind of space and, and a lot of people that I follow. And I still have a hard time, I think, with a lot of body positivity folks because yeah. I still have so much of that, oh, but like, are we allowed to do that? And, and that's got nothing to do with it. It's as much my history and my baggage, my hangups. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm 29 years old and I – wore a crop top for the first time in 2020 you know like i you know what i mean like (laughs) yes i was super happy about it but it's like it took me that many years like i don't think i wore a bikini until i was like 25 or 26 like Mm -hmm. you know just like there were so many things that i like didn't do even after i left my religion because i was like just that shame was still there i was like what if someone has like thoughts about me or what even like what happens if somebody thinks I don't like look good or you know whatever like what why do I care like yeah well 2020 wasn't a total waste for you then (laughs) no crop tops are in so (laughs) in your living room (laughs) exactly yeah oh my gosh my my sweet mother who unfortunately gets shouted out on this podcast way more frequently than she would probably prefer. Um, she, uh, she was a teacher at the school I went to, the, the Christian school I attended for you know, 13 years of my education. And um, she, and she, she would identify herself this way too. She was known as the like dress code mm. disciplinarian. Like she, oh, wow. we, we had, we had the whole demerit system. And so she would, she wrote so many, like had, I, I, I'm fairly confident she had the ruler. Like oh, she yeah. would go measure the distance uh, of the skirt to the knee, to the, the kneecap and all of that. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and boys too, I, I she, you know, it was usually just for like untucked shirts and things like that, but she would, she, it, there's a, there's like a underground, um, private Facebook group now of people who <laughs> you know, came, came out of that, that Christian school I went to. And, um, I I, was, I just got invited to it a, a few months ago, uh, which I'm like, hello, do, you, do y'all know nothing about me? Come on. I'm the, <laughs> I have a podcast called Heathen. Like I should be in this group. I'm the prom queen of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, uh, but I finally got in there with scrolling through some of the posts and like 
just died laughing at the number of times people mentioned my mom's <laughs> name uh, and and the dress code like violations that they got from her. And I was just like, yep, that's wow. Wow. It, it, it is. It reaches far and wide. And, you know, my mom is a beautiful, wonderful person who had no ill intent in any of that. She was just living out what she was taught as well. And, and just unfortunately had not, you know, been been through the, the processes of thinking about it. I think that, that we that we are. Um, but yeah, it's it's it self perpetuates. It's and, and, and for years, it's hard to get out of. Yep. Yeah, I think that's been a really interesting thing to think about, too. It's like, you know, your mom wasn't, she didn't wake up one day and say, I want to make girls feel bad because their skirts yeah. are too short. You know, she didn't do that. She wasn't, yep. That that's not what the majority of people do. Like, there's, you know, there's no heroes and there's no villains in this. Mm. There's just people who are, you know, indoctrinated and brainwashed in a lot of ways to you know perpetuate the same shame that they live under yep yeah i deeply actually uh, deeply appreciate that about there was one of the posts one of your posts i came across um where you were stitching together with another tiktoker and just and you were like you know what i totally get where this girl's coming from and i i, I fully understand that there's no malice in what they're saying um but here's my experience and that's just a wonderful posture to take in the world it made me think of the, um, is it Aunt Lydia from Handmaid's Tale? Who's the yeah. one that looks after the girls? Mm-hmm. Have you watched that? I, I haven't watched it, but it sounds oh, like you have, Blair. Oh, wow. Yes, I, I have, mean, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Blair, but I found that show so hard to watch. Like, there were so many times when I felt nauseated and was having, like, flashbacks. And um, the Lydia character, to me, um, there's moments when you see in her eyes that she she knows what she's doing you know mm-hmm. uh she's not entirely on the up and up like she knows but she, somehow she's just caught up in the system you know and her own shame and her own shit being built on top of that um it just creates this perfect storm i think for a lot of folks to to continue that that cycle you know uh, and i'm i'm in the in the process now i think of trying to untangle some of that and and have empathy for some of those folks who i think out of their own kind of fear and their own uh, space have just continued to keep the merry-go-round going on. Cause I just like, I just want to burn the whole thing down half the time. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think the handmaid's tell is an interesting one to watch. Cause um, you know, I mean, I know not everyone will feel this way, but I see myself in aunt Lydia, my old self. And mm-hmm. I see myself in June as well. I see myself um, like parts of the ways that I perpetuated fundamental religion in aunt lydia and then i see like myself trying to get out so like i i recognize that you know we are all capable of perpetuating this kind of harm and and i know that i did you know Hmm. i i know that i was a part of it too yeah that's hard it's a hard thing for sure to, <laughs> to stare in your reflection and be like, oh, yeah, this thing that I did. I, I had this experience many uh, years ago. My dad ended up starting the very first um, school in my tiny little sect I grew up in, in Sydney. Uh, there's a handful of schools all over the world now, but he started the one in Sydney. And uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, 
his parents had like a sort of second family when kind of the boys were grown. Like they it was they were still together. I think they were trying to save the marriage, and they had this second family. And and um, so one day I came into school and I'm walking up to my dad's office as the principal of the school, and there's this tiny little kid sitting outside the principal's office, and it's and uh, I was going to say his name. I won't say his name, but uh, he's the younger brother of one of my best buds and as I walk up there and I'm I'm at that stage I'm in a band and I've got like shoulder length hair and walking up my black ski jeans and this little kid starts to give me lip about my long hair <laughs> and I'm like kid you're sitting outside my dad's office like you're already in trouble so I think I would shut up if I was you because <laughs> I can talk to the big man the, the, the funniest thing about that was I'd done that before you know in my youth group had given lip to a, a guy also called Ben um, about his long hair. And then years later, that younger brother grew up to be a musician. And I was actually able to sit down with him and kind of talk to him about songwriting and mentoring him about music. And I'm like, it's such a beautiful moment to realize that that's kind of who we are. Mm. You know, we're sort of, when we're given this sort of fundamental religion, we're given this black or white thinking as children, it is a solace, you know, it's a, it's a safe place to kind of think about the world right and wrong, to think about kind of where you fit and where you belong. Um, but then I think an important part of growing up is to, is to question and push back on that, to find your own way to kind of find your own kind of path in that. Um, so yeah, it is a scary thing to think about the things they said and did that mm. perpetuated that, that system. <laughs> the internet trolls, what they don't get is that we, used to be them it's not it's it, <laughs> very rarely is that vice versa right you, <laughs> right rare, rarely do you come from a place of like openness or whatever and then you you turn turn into a someone who polices other people <laughs> so that's what is always just so funny and 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 probably why it's easy to you know using the humor shut people down on 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 the social media sites because it's like yeah i i said that too at one point okay yeah. like <laughs> i understand where you're coming from um yeah. You don't you don't understand where we're at though because you <laughs> haven't done the work. <laughs> you haven't that's done the exactly. work. Anymore. Yeah, like that's how I feel too. I'm like, um, you know, I've also been super um fundamental about my faith. I was there, you know, in the not too distant past over the grand scheme of my life. Like mm -hmm. I was very much in that way longer than I have been out you know, currently. So yeah, it was a huge part of my life. And um, like every time someone tries to, you know, basically, you know, talk back or whatever, try to clap back at me. I'm like, I think about the um, Parks and Rec where Ron goes into like the Home Depot or whatever. He's like, I know more than you. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know more than you. Like you can, you can have a seat. Like I, I'm going to win. Like whatever argument you have, like I win, like it doesn't matter. <laughs> I, that is Ron Swanson as the spirit guide for our, for people doing their progressive work is a beautiful thing. I love that. <laughs> magic i'd forgotten about that moment until right then I love oh that. man <laughs> um well blair i want to be respectful of your time and um and 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 maybe as we move into how we're going to wrap up this conversation i just want to thank you so much it, you're first of all you're a delight to talk mm -hmm. to you're absolutely just a wonderful human being to speak with and um i'm i'm just so grateful for the work you're doing for how it's um impacting 
folks who are at the beginning of their their sexual journey in life and also for us old queens who are you know still <laughs> trying to figure out sex so <laughs> thank you so much for everything that you're doing it's beautiful thank you so much for having me this was super fun i i really love this conversation it's been really really fun well, and we'd love to have you back anytime. So, um, yes. and, and we have, you know, other hosts that you can talk with too and just have a whole different conversation. It'll be great. That should be a heathen sex summit. Yes. Yeah. We are going to make that happen. The sex <laughs> summit. I need this. I need this in my life. Um, Honestly. <laughs> I, think, I think the sex are some of the most listened to yeah. ones on heathen. Oh, yeah. So I know that when I first discovered heathen myself a few years ago, that was my first, I sort of zeroed in on those episodes. I was just like, <laughs> they're talking sex, about sex, sex like, episodes. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested. So. Yeah. I think that says a lot about how uh, deprived all of us were of any information mm. about sex. It's like, you know, a, yeah. a completely dry sponge is going to, you know, soak up water in an instant. Like we just want to, we want to get all the information we can, you know, cause we yeah. didn't have any for so long. Yeah. There's so much to learn beyond your impulses are bad. Like that, the, the, if that's, again, if that's the stop sign, then everything else beyond that, you don't have an opportunity to explore and learn about because you were, you were just, you had to stop at the stop sign. So, mm-hmm. yep. and that's why I think, I think a sexual ethic that's developed uh, apart from that, that religious construct is going to be so much more helpful and actually useful in, in your sexual exploits, because that, I, I think that's why we encounter stories of people who um, make the bad, horrible choice uh, in, in, issue, in instances of rape and things like that, where they're like, but he was a good, you know, he was just a good white boy from our church. Um, well, that's, yeah, he, he made really bad decisions um, and did awful things to other people because he, he, the, he, was, he had no tools, he had yeah. no preparation and no knowledge of what comes after you break past that first stop sign of like, well, I'm going to act on the impulse. So what now? Yeah. Um, like I okay. never heard the word consent in the context mm. of sex yep. until I was probably 22 or 23. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so like six years ago. I mean, let's be honest. You're not going to hear that in the Bible. That's, that's not a, a story that comes out in the Bible. Yeah. You know, that concept d- didn't really exist. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You, didn't you didn't you just make a post, or maybe maybe this is another one from the past that I saw? But I just just this morning saw your post about Mary. The, the yeah. thing missing missing from Mary's story is consent. Yeah, that made people really mad. That was probably the most mad I've ever mm. made folks on my page. Like, <laughs> I got a ton of ton of backlash, and I honestly like I should have expected it, but I wasn't really expecting it. So. Mm. Yeah, that mm. that one really rocked people's world and riled some folks up. It really did. <laughs> Do you follow Caitlin Shelter on Instagram? Where? Maybe is that? Uh, maybe she writes amazing poetry. I'll see if I can find a handle really quickly. Okay, but but she is also just in the moment of just deconstructing so much stuff right now and. Um, and she wrote a post about epiphany that I think it's the skeptic leptic, a skeptic, skeptileptic, skeptileptic. <laughs> don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but Caitlin Shelter uh, on Instagram, and she put a post up about any uh, about epiphany that completely like just pissed everybody off. I'm pretty sure. 
because it was just the same kind of thing. It was just questioning the, the way we've heard, heard the story just, and we just assume it. Mm. And she just tore it down. And I was like, this is kind of gorgeous, like absolutely beautiful. I love it when people kind of bring something new to the whole thing. Even if it means they're kind of, you know, saying, actually, that shouldn't have been how it is. That's still exciting to me because that kind of means there's a possibility that the story can keep shifting and changing and evolving. Um, and that, that's what I'm hoping for, for my story and for other people's story, for listeners' stories, when it comes around to sex and kind of their, their faith stories, it just keeps shifting and evolving. And that's actually not a bad thing. It's a it's, wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think, um, and in that post, people kept trying to say, oh, but it was the, you know, this was the time period, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this was just the historical context. There's, you know, consent didn't exist. And I'm like, okay, but are you okay with that? Like, is that okay mm. with you? Like, does that make it better that uh, um, Mary felt like she didn't have rights? Does that, does that make the story better? Is that what you're going with? Like, are we seriously does, having this conversation? <laughs> yeah. And does that justify us continuing to teach from that per- same perspective? And and say that because that's what the mother of God went through. That's what we all should go through. <laughs> exactly. The, the ways people were trying to justify it were super confusing to me. I, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Mm. Well, clearly there is a shit ton more to talk about here. So I, <laughs> if you're down, let's just go ahead and say, we'll have a part two out sometime in the future and, yes. uh, and maybe, maybe get you on here with Karen and Anissa mm-hmm. to talk about things from their perspective as well. But, um, awesome. all right, well, before we go into this last piece, uh, can you tell folks, obviously I'm going to link to all the, all the places in, um, in the show notes. So folks, you can, you can follow talk, purity to me on Instagram and TikTok and all the places there, just go to the show notes. Um, but is there anywhere else you want folks to follow you or is, is that the best place? Yeah, I have my Instagram and then my TikTok as well. Uh, same handle. So you can find me at both of those. Lovely. Um, all right. So one of the posts that I encountered this morning was uh, <laughs> a reaction video that you did to a, a couple, a, a Christian, just like, Beautifully gorgeous Christian white couple uh, giving a prayer out on TikTok to folks for for their marriages. And they just like kind of did this with a a pretty piano underneath and, um, you know, just praying for people on um, on the Internet. And Mm -hmm. you were doing a reaction where you were I think you had planned to to talk over them and, and give some, some of your own experience and your own advice in your reaction video, but you were so stunned by what they were doing <laughs> <laughs> that your reaction is literally a reaction. And you're just kind of like stopped dead in your tracks. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe what these people are doing right now. Did you actually fall to your knees? Cause it looked like at some point you might've fallen to your knees. <laughs> I didn't. What I did was I just like, without even thinking, pulled the phone really close to my face. Cause I was like, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't comprehend what I was like hearing. <laughs> so it looks, I mean, the, the angle moves because yeah, like at one point I take the phone and I like pull it close. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a thing of beauty to watch. And maybe I'll, I'll link, I'll link to that specific post as well in the show notes so that listeners, you can go watch it. But we thought it would be really lovely for you um, if you're down to, to mm-hmm. give a, a, a blessing, a prayer, whatever we want to call it, um, across the airwaves here uh, of sex positivity, of, of uh, dismantling purity culture, um, 
to folks who who might need it. So Ben is our resident musician. He's going to put some gorgeous piano music under you um, uh, in in post production, and we'll we'll have a moment here uh, as our little benediction to this conversation. And we'd just love for uh, you, Blair, to to give a blessing to our listeners. Awesome. I just hope that all of you out there right now know that your sexuality belongs to you. It doesn't belong to God or a future partner. It is yours to express and experience exactly how you want to. And that it's never too late to have the sexual relationship with yourself and with someone else that you want to. Um, The most important sexual relationship you ever have will be with yourself and to experience your own sexuality on your terms and to learn what you like and what is pleasurable for you. Um, So never let anyone uh, make you feel ashamed again of something that is so natural and pleasurable to experience in life. And I just hope that you um, just learn more about yourself and learn how to be a full sexual being. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's fabulous. Um, I adore you. Thank you so much, Blair. <laughs> Thank you. This was super, super awesome. I had a ton of fun.